Hey, podcast listener. Are you working so hard you wonder if the money is even worth it? If you're like most CPAs I work with, you have way too much to do, you feel relentless deadline pressure, and worst of all, you feel torn between serving clients and being with family. What if I told you you could work a 40-hour week without losing a dime? I know it sounds impossible, but my Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is designed for CPAs just like you who want to get their lives back. Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is launching soon. In it, you'll learn how to start getting your time back week by week, make your workload manageable while still bringing in plenty of revenue, what to put in your packages and how to price them, and so much more. Don't leave your future to chance. CPA Mastermind will get you on the same profitable path you've been searching for. With unlimited coaching, your success is guaranteed. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there. Hey ladies, in today's episode, we're talking about key performance indicators, why measuring them is important, and how to think about which ones you should be measuring. I'll be back on the other side of the intro. Welcome to the She Thinks Big podcast, where you'll hear from women entrepreneurs who are doing good in the world, from spark to screw up to success. Thinking big is in their core. It's in yours and it's in mine. I've traveled to 50 countries and seven continents, done an Ironman, and co-founded a company that has generated millions of dollars for sustainability. My name is Geraldine Carter, and I'm delighted to share with you conversations and coaching with amazing women. Time to get inspired and grow your impact. All right, ladies, today I want to talk to you about the value of measuring KPIs in your business. So how many of you are tracking stuff, but it's like all over the place? It's in eight different places and you never gather it and you don't look at it. Or maybe you're gung-ho and you're all about it in January, but then you get too busy and you stop. Or maybe you have no spreadsheet or no way to track. If this is you, you're not alone. Most of the business owners I run into are not tracking much more than revenue, expenses, and net income. And you can understand why, right? There is a lot to measure. It's hard to know what to measure. It can be hard to know how to measure it. And so it gets lost, right? And we measure nothing. Sometimes what happens is that we're good at measuring some things, but not other things. And what we don't realize is that sometimes there's information that is hidden and it's really useful. So imagine if all of a sudden you found extra money hanging out in your business. How would that feel? What if you found extra time? So it's important to know what to track and how often and to have a system for tracking. And most importantly, what decisions you're going to make based on the information that you find. Because the real problem here is that you are likely to be leaving opportunity in the form of money, profit, time on the table and working harder than you need to be. Because in not measuring KPIs, you're missing out on important insights. Measuring KPIs is one way for you to find money much more easily in your business than the way that you're currently doing it. Now, talking at you about KPIs could be really dry. So I'm going to tell you a few stories to illustrate some key points. And just in case you've been sitting here wondering what the heck KPIs are, (laughs) they're key performance indicators, which are basically measurements of performance that you track in various areas of your business. Most often they're in dollars, numbers, or percentages. 
And there are thousands of KPIs you could track, but who has time, right? And the Googles will tell you, you should always measure X, Y, and Z. And sure, there are some KPIs that you should always measure, including revenue, expenses, and net income. And there's no one size fits all. So we make it more complicated than it needs to be, which is why I want to teach you how to think about what you need to measure. I want you to help you figure out what your own pain points are. And then from there, figure out which KPIs to measure in order to help solve your pain points. Okay, so before I jump into stories, I want to share with you dum 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 a formula. Okay, so here's a formula for you to remember that is so beautiful in its simplicity. And it's the amount of revenue in your business. Ready? Here it is. It's the number of leads that you have or your prospects or your audience size times the conversion rate, right? Which becomes your number of clients or patients or customers times the number of transactions that they do with you times your average sale price per transaction. That's your revenue in your business. Ready? I'll do it again. Number of leads times your conversion rate becomes your number of clients. Multiply that times the number of transactions you do for each of those clients times your average sale price per transaction. And that is your revenue, right? So it's basically four things that drive your revenue. Number of leads, conversion rate, number of transactions, and average sale price. So if your revenue isn't where you want it to be, looking at those four factors and see which ones you can dial up is a really easy place to start. So here are three stories from Allie, Betsy, and Carrie. Carrie with a C. Okay, so Allie is a CPA. And I was talking with her recently. And I asked her what her income goal was. And she said $500,000. So I asked her what her current income is. And she said $400,000. And I said, how are those people finding you? And she said, some of them by word of mouth. And some of them come to me through podcast interviews. I was like, mm, okay, cool. Ballpark, how many people come to you through word of mouth? And she's like, probably half. And I said, okay. So the other half come to you via podcast. She said, yes. So then I asked her how many podcast interviews she's been on. She said, mm, about six or seven. And then I asked her, how many podcast interviews do you currently have scheduled? And she said, none. So this is what I mean about there are 1,000 KPIs that you could measure. And doing so is far more complicated and cumbersome than it need be. The things you need to measure that are going to have a big impact can be really simple. So now what's really important to do once you have an insight like that, like, oh, wow, I get half my clients from podcast interviews and I don't have anyone scheduled in the future. I better get on that. What's most important when you see the insight is to make a decision, I better get on that, and then to get it in your calendar, right? What's the getting on that you're going to do? Is it brainstorming and looking through podcasts that you might be a good fit for? Is it reaching out to other podcast hosts that you might know? How much time do you want to block in order to do that, right? So make sure that the insight turns into a decision that then gets scheduled on your calendar so it gets taken care of. And that example right there is an example of that first bucket in the formula of increasing the number of leads 
in your business to increase your revenue. So let's go to story number two with Betsy, who is an SEO consultant. She does search engine optimization. We were talking recently and the conversation went similarly, right? Always starts with what's your goal? What's the pain point that you currently have that you no longer want to have, right? So in her case, she makes $100,000. She wants to make 150. Similar line of questioning, where are your clients coming from currently? And she said, a lot of them come from word of mouth and a lot of them come through AdWords. And I was like, oh, hmm, that's interesting. What's the breakdown, do you think? And she said, mm, probably one third, two thirds. So one third word of mouth referrals and two thirds AdWords. And she has about 30 clients. So I did some more digging. And one of the places that we got to was, what's the customer lifetime value of those two different groups of people? So if you were to take a client for the whole time that you have ever had them as a client, how much have they paid you in that total time, right? Customer lifetime value. So she added up the customer lifetime value of all of her clients and then separated them out by those who came via AdWords and those who came via word of mouth referral and then sorted them from biggest to smallest. And wouldn't you know that the ones who came from word of mouth referral had a much higher customer lifetime value on average than the ones who came from AdWords. What it looked like to her was that the ones who came from referral were better qualified leads. They knew what they wanted, they knew what they were getting, and they knew what they were in for. Whereas the ones who came from AdWords weren't as well qualified. They weren't quite sure what they were looking for, they didn't really know what it was going to entail, and they didn't last as long. So when we dug deeper into the word of mouth referral ones and tried to see what patterns we could find there, it turns out that about 40% of the word of mouth referrals, those clients were banks, local and regional banks and credit unions, not the big four of big banks, but local and regional banks and credit unions. And those clients, she did a really great job of serving. They were all really happy and they were doing really well in search results. And she enjoyed working with them. So that made her wonder, hmm, if I like working for local and regional banks and I do a good job at it and I enjoy them, how about I see if I can find more of them? So she got intentional about setting out to find more clients just like that. Now, it got a little bit tricky, right? Because in the world of SEO, you don't want your clients competing for page one space. So she did have to spread herself out a little bit and go a bit farther afield geographically. But still, there are plenty of banks to serve. So what she put on her calendar was dedicated time to brainstorming and aiming to connect with more local and regional banks. The other decision that she made from it was to stop doing AdWords because it wasn't getting her anything that she wanted, right? It was getting her clients with lower customer lifetime value and she was spending money on the ads. So she decided to stop doing it. So this example touches the factor in the formula that is the number of transactions right? For how long do you serve the same people? Her clients are on retainer and they just keep coming back again and again and again and again and again and again. So once she figured that out, life got much easier. Here's a third story. This one is from Carrie. Carrie is a part-time CFO. So she works for companies who are too small to have their own full-time CFO. So she also has an income goal 
which is to get to 100K this year, and she's currently on track for 75K. So I was asking her a bunch of questions because she offers a few different types of services, right? For some things, she bills at 250 an hour. For some things, she bills at 150 an hour. And for some things, she bills at 95 an hour. So when we sorted them by average sale price, what became really clear was that her favorite customers, the ones she most enjoyed working with and the ones that she was serving best, were all the ones at her higher sale price, the bigger service, if you will. And a few select clients who are lovely people, but just not the right fit for her business, and therefore burning up a lot of time and using a lot of her energy, were the ones who were coming in for the 95 an hour service. And when we ran the math on it, if she was able to phase out the seven clients that she had who were doing the 95 an hour service, all she would need to find was two more clients at the 250 an hour service in order to maintain the same exact income, right? So freeing up not just five clients of time, but five of her most time absorbing clients. So this is the thing that we find, right? Is that when we look into our numbers, when we start asking questions and measuring what's working and what's not, it becomes really clear how we can save time and not work so hard and make more money. And this example with Carrie is around that last bucket, which is your average sale price, right? So she was offering 250, 150, and 95 an hour and almost ceased to offer the 95 an hour service. So here's some questions for you. And this will be a free PDF in the show notes that you can download on my website, shethinksbigcoaching.com. And here's how I want you to think about this, right? I want you to think about your goal and then work it backwards. So let's just stay on the same page that we've been on, which is assuming that your goal is a financial one. So the first question is, how much do you want to be making? And the next question is, how much are you currently making? And the next question is, where are those people coming from? And from there, you need to ask a series of questions. And it's helpful if you can have someone ask you these because you've probably been around in your head a thousand times already. And on your own, with your own mind, you're not going to uncover anything new that you haven't thought of already. So if you can have somebody else ask you these questions, they might be able to unearth something that you haven't seen before. Here's what I would want to know. What products and offerings do you sell and how much do you sell them at? And how much of that offering? What's the total volume of that that you sold in a year or in a quarter? Which of those offerings has the highest margin? What is the easiest to deliver for your time? Effectively is the nature of that question. What patterns do you see in where people come to you from, right? Word of mouth referral, AdWords, SEO, podcasts, books, interviews, email subscriber list, webinar attendees, private Facebook group, discovery calls, press releases. Where are people coming to you from? How many of those people are you converting? If the number is already really high, like say it's 80% or north of that, this probably isn't a a place where you want to spend too much time, right? 80% is really great. If you're converting 100%, your price is probably too low. But some ways that you could think about increasing your conversion rate are having a written guarantee. You could have compelling testimonials. You could do before and after cases. You can do try before you buy. You can educate on value, not price. You can follow up again and again and again. 
you can make it easy for people to buy from you. Another thing I want to know is who is having the most repeat transactions with you, right? Who are your best customers that buy the most from you and what do they have in common? And if you want to bump that up, you can think about how do you deliver the best possible service to clients? How do you deliver consistently and reliably? Do you want to have a subscription-based or recurring revenue model? What about rebooking your next visit now? What about an offer on your next purchase? What about increasing your offerings or offering incentives for multiple purchases? What about a reminder system? And then the last place I want to look is your average sale price, because a lot of people offer different packages at different amounts. And there are people who are buying at different amounts, right? There are people who buy your most expensive stuff and there are people who buy your least expensive stuff. And I want to know what is possible if you lop off the bottom third and only fill your calendar with people who buy your most expensive stuff. Now, I know that for some of you, you have a sort of progressive ladder of pricing for people to try you out. So it's not for everybody, but it's just something to think about. Some ways that you can increase your average sales price are by increasing your pricing, allowing payment terms, creating packages. You can add a gift with high dollar purchases. You can learn to sell more efficiently. You can offer a high end product. You can eliminate your low end products. You can offer delivery for an additional cost. You can add perceived value. You can suggest the most expensive first. There are lots of ways that you can increase your average sales price, but don't get too caught up in all the ways because what is most likely is that there are some very simple changes that you could make in your business that will have a significant impact on your revenue. So I gave a version of this talk at the BAM Success Summit, which is Business Among Moms, put on by Julie Fry in Seattle two weeks ago. Last week? Two weeks ago? My God. (laughs) And one of the attendees came out to me afterwards, and she was saying thank you, and I got a lot out of it, and so on. And I asked her what her key takeaway was. And she paused for quite a while and then came out with, what you're looking for is hiding right under your nose. (laughs) I was like, oh my God, I couldn't have said it better myself. It really is the case that important information about the finances in your business, about how to grow your revenue in your business is hiding right under your nose. So I hope that you will take some time to preferably sit down with somebody else who can ask you some excavating kinds of questions to see what insights you can uncover that are hiding right under your nose in your business. And of course, if this is something that you're interested in working on with me, I would be more than happy to talk with you about it. If you want to find out more, go to my website, shethinksbigcoaching.com and click on the work with me tab. Ladies, I would love to know what you got out of this episode come share in the She Thinks Big Facebook group. Go to Facebook and search She Thinks Big, answer the super difficult questions, and I'll let you in. That's it from me this week. Remember, you might be working harder than you need to be, and there's important information hiding right under your nose. Have a great week. I'll see you next time. Hi again. Would you rather spend your weekends outside playing or at your desk? In Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind, we put an end to overworking. 
while maintaining revenue. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there.